you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Welcome into the NFL Report. James Palmer, Steve White with you. We're going to be joined by one of the best young running backs in all of football, Brian Robinson of the Red Hot Washington Commanders. Can't miss that interview coming up, but we have to start, Steve, with the big story out of the Midwest as you're sitting there as I see the background. People listening can't see it. You're in Santa Clara right now as we do this. Yeah, Thursday Night Football, you know, otherwise known as the day after the meltdown in Chicago. We're going to have a lot on this. You know, we're going to talk about this. We're going to have Brian Baldinger come in and also actually do some film breakdown to help us out with this. But, JP, you know, yesterday it was just an absolutely, you know, we've all had chaotic days in our journalistic careers. But what, what went down in Chicago started yes. with quarterback Justin Fields at a news conference saying this about his erratic play thus far. I felt like, you know, I wasn't necessarily playing my game. Uh, felt like I was kind of robotic and, you know, not just not 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 playing like myself. So, um, you know, um, my goal this week is just to, you know, say effort and just go out there and you know play football how I know how to play football. When you say thinking less, what do you think was causing you to think so much? Maybe think too much. You know, uh, coaching, um, I think. But um, you know, at the end of the day, it makes it. You know, uh, they're doing their job when they're giving me, you know, what to look at. So when the game comes, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's time to play free at that point. So, um, you know, just thinking less and, you know, playing more. Oh, boy. Whew. Oh, boy. The coaching, that's not working right. But then the Bears went out to practice, JP, after all of the chaos, after all of us were like, what is Justin Fields doing? He yeah. just rolled Luke Getz, his OC, under the bus. And then – did this rarity as he reconvened the media in the locker room post-practice. You guys' jobs are to get clicked, so it's like, when you take my quote out of context, and when you just say that, if you paint the picture on the inside out, like, y'all are trying to split, split us up as a team. I'm not blaming anything on the coaches. I'm never gonna blame anything on the coaches, never gonna blame anything on my teammates. I will take every, whatever happens in the game, I will take all the blame, I don't care. If, the drop pass, it should have been a pass. Put it on me. I need to play better. That's it. Point blank. If, if y'all, that's, that's what I should have said in the first place. A whole lot to unpack here, JP. A whole lot. And just to add to it, general manager Ryan Poles came out Thursday and said there's not one person in the building, including the coaches, that think Justin Fields is finger pointing. But let's take this from the top. The initial thing, look, we've seen Justin Fields. He has been erratic. He has sometimes looked fantastic. Other times just looked completely lost. And when you hear the comments, too much information, too much going on, it could be coaching. Take us, take us where your thoughts went because there is a lot to analyze and decompress here. Yeah, I think, Steve, the biggest part that, that I got after that initial comment and everybody just really clips that first part off, right? I think coaching. Poof, send that tweet out. Send that tweet right away. And then we'll let Twitter explode. 
I think later in the press conference when he was talking about, I'm trying to process so much information and I'm just trying to simplify it in my head. To me, that actually tells me he is taking the coaching, right? Because he's listening to all of this and he's trying to process all of it. So to me, some people said, well, I, I, he, he doesn't like the coaching. He's not, he's not coachable. I don't think that's the case because it sounds like he feels overloaded to where he is taking all of this information in. And I think that's the part that he thinks is not allowing him to play extremely fast on Sunday. Because you're right, we've seen him play really, really good football at times. And we've seen times where you're just wondering, and we'll talk to Brian Baldinger later in the show about some of those plays that make you scratch your head, Steve. I think Ryan polls on Thursday when he said, I think Justin's trying to find that balance between last year when we had a subpar lineup and a subpar roster where he had to put this team on his back at times and carry us, and now we may have a better roster. We'd like him to play from the pocket, do some more things like a quarterback. He's trying to find that balance between the two. I think this is all going on in Justin Fields' head because he's trying to grow in an aspect, but it's not actually clicking early on. Yeah, I mean, look, clearly something was lost in translation, not even so much with his message to the media, but what's going on with Lou Getze, his play caller. And that's where the communication probably should have said, you know, he should have said, Coach, you know, look, there's a lot going on here, right? And Lugetzi, he also spoke on Thursday. He didn't come out and go Sean Payton and say, you know what, we're going to work on some things to simplify it because maybe we are overloading him. Maybe there are too many voices in his head. So they still have some things to absolutely break through. But whenever a player comes out and talks about coaching, the bigger picture of this right now is this Bears offense better come out and play well because Luke Getze automatically is going to say, they got, oh, boy. Steve? Yeah, they got the Chiefs, right? They have the Chiefs this Sunday. So we have to come out and ball out, right? We got, we got this guy to compare to Patrick Mahomes on the other side. Our offense has to come out and look good against a defense that's played really well thus far. But, again, when you come out and you start citing your coaches and you are the projected franchise quarterback, that makes the coach say, well, honey, uh, you know this house we like here? We may, we may want to. You know, we, we may be in a situation where we might not be here next year. And then whoever might come in might also have to say, like, well, you know, we've got this, this quarterback got one coach let go. I've got to find a way to make it happen because if they're committed to him, they're not committed to us, JP. All right, also, on another note, since we're talking about quarterbacks, especially mobile quarterbacks, learning a new system. We have seen Lamar Jackson come under with Todd Munkin, the new offensive coordinator, and in two games – look really, really good, and also, James, by virtue of what happened Monday night, the Ravens look like they're in a really good position to jump out in the AFC North early on. This is, Steve, the toughest division in the NFL, and when you start 2-0 and you look at the rest of the teams in the division and what they're dealing with, we saw the devastating injury to Nick Chubb on an offense that is based around his running game is arguably the best, I'll, do, I'll, I'll lose arguably, the best running back in all of football. That changes things for Cleveland. We know Cincinnati is 0-2. Oh, by the way, 0-2 in the division, and Joe Burrow still dealing with the calf injury to when I talk to people in Cincinnati, they're not sure how long that is going to continue to nag him. And this is still very early in Kenny Pickett's career as a starting quarterback. So to jump out 2-0 and get that win against Cincinnati, and now that you see this offense built the way it's built, we know that it is built off of the run in the past, and we know that it's been built off of Mark Andrews. He has had a larger percentage of, the, of any team 
in the NFL, Steve, in terms of a tight end catching the largest percentage of their catches, their yards, their receiving touchdowns, now he has receivers on the outside to help him. When I had a chance to talk to him, every receiver goes, oh, great tight end helps me out on the outside. Flip it. Great receivers on the outside make life even easier for a better tight end in the middle to maybe one of the best tight ends in football play even better. And the part that jumps out at me the most is this. With this passing game, with more weapons, will we see a healthier Lamar Jackson down the stretch if they can play in this style of offense, throwing the football as accurately as he had? Injuries at the end of the season have been an issue for Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. Could this style of play they're in now, Steve, help them to have a healthier Lamar Jackson at the end of the year if they're rolling this early? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it really could. And look, and the fact that they're rolling with like, two starting offensive linemen and they're starting running back, J.K. Exactly. Dobbins, that's got to be that's got to be super encouraging. But, but J.P., just to, just to bring it back, because we're talking quarterbacks in this division, Deshaun Watson, he's got more pressure than ever. I mean, their contract is what it is. Without Nick Chubb, he really has to deliver, especially with a team like the Ravens, figuring it out pretty quickly and evolving and the Browns looking like they're somewhat stuck in mud a little bit, especially with not having Nick Chubb. That's huge. And we know their defense is going to be better uh, than it was a season ago now that Jim Schwartz is running that group. But you mentioned the injuries, and you're right. The, Tyler Linderbaum, their center, and Ronnie Staley, they're going to be coming back. They didn't the play Ravens, a game yeah. yet with Marlon Humphrey. Their number one corner they haven't played a game with yet. And their star safety in Marcus Williams has the pec injury. He is not going to be done for the season. Might have to play. You talk to me about it. Maybe with that harness, you know, in the middle of the field. But he's ahead of the communication for this Ravens defense. And Juno Stone comes in and plays in his place and plays great. They haven't been healthy, but they've been rolling early 2-0. And that might give them a great advantage early on in the toughest division in all of football. There's another division. How about the NFC East, Steve, that has three teams sitting at 2-0 one of them being the Dallas Cowboys. Listen to this. Hey, we came on a mission. It's captured or killed. And we don't capture the Cowboys special team. It's the first score of the year. Boy, perfect throw here by Dak Prescott. I love it right. Hey, please, you know coming. Parsons coming. Parsons got it. All of the smoke in the limelight. Damn, as a feet, they don't shine right. Do not throw the ball. The one in the pools who can't bite. Tony Pollard walked the dog and scored his second touchdown of the night. The Cowboys win 40 to nothing. Shut out. That was a beating. All right, that was, the, that was the video of the Cowboys week one. They come back week two against the Jets, and they, they stake further ownership in the state of New Jersey and beat them 30 to 10. JP, they're allowing this defense five points a game. All right, five points a game out of the gate. Oh. And they've got the Arizona Cardinals this week. Don't, don't you think it's funny? We spent all offseason, oh, Dak is going to be this. Dak can't play. Those too many interceptions. Yet the first two weeks of the season, we're not talking about Dak. We're talking about the side of the ball that starts with D. Yeah, it starts with D. And D. Ware also told us on this show that if Micah Parsons has the type of season this season and several of them moving forward, he's going to break D. Ware's all-time Cowboys sack record. And he said if this D plays like this on this show, the Cowboys are going to the Super Bowl. Micah Parsons, when I talk to Jets coaches 
after this game, during the week, and they went over the film, they said, Steve, he just did whatever he wanted to on the field. Like, he, he could do whatever he wanted to do and attack us however he wanted. He had four tackles, three of them for a loss, two sacks, four quarterback hits, a pass defense, a forced fumble, a fumble recovery. He really served popcorn. He did everything in this entire <laughs> game, and he's kind of the linchpin of this entire defense that is so deep, able to pressure you from a variety of spots. And now that Dan Quinn, remember, pulled his name out of head coaching searches each of the last two years, been able to mold this defense into exactly what he has wanted with a rush and cover aspect to it. Don't forget Stefan Gilmore's your number two corner. Like this team is deep in ability to do a lot of different things to you as a full defense. I, this might be the group that carries them, and we'll see what Dak does in terms of playing second fiddle, in a sense, to making sure that nothing hurts this team, in a sense, changing their style offensively a little bit. Well, I mean, and look, JP, I love this defense. I love their personnel. I love their depth. I love what they're doing. But can we really sit here and say they're the bosses? Because, again, they played the Giants, 40 to nothing. They played the Jets. They played okay. Arizona this week. And then they played New England in week four, right? This well, defense might five. continue this trend for, for two more. Oh, oh well, that, that, that's when things get real interesting, right? Don't they have the run of the Niners, the Chargers, the Rams? There's another one in there. Another offensive team that we're, we're going to figure out. I think the Eagles are in the mix as well. So this is yeah. where we're really going to find out about the defense. But they have two more games to solidify themselves even further before staking their claim, possibly, on top of the NFC East. JP, you know who's getting it done? The Miami Dolphins are getting it done. Oh, yeah. And coming up next, Cameron Wolf is going to say the key reason why has everything to do with the backfield in motion here on the NFL Report. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. We're back at the NFL Report. We're getting ready to head into week three of the NFL season. Steve White, James Palmer, now joined by Cameron Wolf, And Cameron, the Miami Dolphins. Their offense looks more dynamic than ever the Tua Tyreek connection. Besides familiarity, what's kind of the secret sauce brewing between these two? Yeah, Steve, they have sure. the quickest time to throw and the largest yards per attempt, which those are two stats that don't typically go together. They're getting the ball out quick and they're throwing it deep. And really a key core of that has been the Dolphins' motion. And this week, I wanted to dive a little deeper into what makes that motion go. And when you look at some of the, the elements they do, they adjust to what the defenses give them. The motion stuff is not new. They did it a bunch last year. But this year, teams crowded the middle of the field where Tua loves to throw the ball. And you've seen them, particularly with Tyreek Hill, have a wheel route on the back of it. They've had a short motion on the back of it. Anything to get Tyreek in motion and Frank, Frank Smith, their offensive coordinator, told me every single motion they do has a purpose. And it's not like a lot of teams where they do it as window dressing or to show if it's man or zone. He says, no, 
we do things directly based off of how they react to the motion. For example, if their defense will crowd the middle of the field, we'll throw that rear wheel route on the back of things. And so I think that's been a huge key to why the Dolphins have been so successful. Tua also told me they see the chaos on the field. They force defenses to communicate to an extreme, and it makes mistakes, and they take advantage of it. What I love, Cam, is is the way they use motion. Is It's not a guy just, you know, running across the field. You remember Cuba Gooding no. Jr. and Jerry Maguire coming across <laughs> with the two hands up, just like real slow across the back. No, it, I mean, t- Tyreek Hill is moving in a lot of these yes. motions. And he is really, really moving. And Sean Payton said an interesting thing this week when he stated one of the underrated aspects that makes Tyreek Hill so dynamic is his stamina. He can run for days. And, and this is kind of adding to it in a sense but how do they go about all of this work within motion you talk about how they do it differently what do they do differently during the week to allow them to have this success though yeah james there's a lot of behind the scenes elements including their wide receivers and their running backs having specific elements of their meeting focused solely on motion they will just have those still position groups who come together and say, hey, these are elements that we want to focus on this week. We're going to do a lot of short motion. And so we're going to spend 15, 20 minutes of this meeting just focused on this motion and getting it right. Because there are a lot of details that we may not see in the finished product. I was talking to uh, Eric Studisville earlier today, and he somebody mentions to him that it looks like the CFL with Tyree Kill running. And he's like, wait, wait, wait. It's not the CFL, because the CFL, they move forward. That's against the rules. We follow the rules here, right? And so the rules are element here because Tyreek's running fast across the field, but he has to be careful not to go forward. And so that's where the track element comes in. They have a bunch of track dudes on this team, including Tyreek. And it's almost like he's running a curve. He's running horizontal at the line of scrimmage. And once the snap hit, he goes vertical. And it's hard enough to cover Tyreek Hill when he's stationary. Imagine what it's like for defenders when he's already on go, 15, 16 miles per hour going towards the field. Well, and Cam, there's also this part too, right? Mike McDaniel comes from the Shanahan scheme. So when you have someone like Tyreek Hill, right, they do two versions of their motions too. Well, several, but you've got the straight line across Mm -hmm. the center's butt all the way through. And then sometimes he bows behind the quarterback, especially if Tua is in pistol. So what's the first thing the defense is going to guard against, especially someone that fast? That is the jet sweep or when he does the bow, the quick toss or the quick screen. So the first thing that edge defender has to do is guard the outside. And that will be a tell because if they don't, they're going to pop that ball out there. And if they do, then that's when the middle of the field opens up. There's, There's all kinds of strategic ways with the ways they use their motion whether it's that straight way or kind of that Boeing way, which leads to the CFL kind of eye candy. Yeah, yeah we cheating, Cam? <laughs> they're, try- they're not cheating. They're not cheating, but I will tell you, me, me and you were talking about this, James. It kind of reminds me of Jawan Taylor with the, with, the, with the Chiefs earlier this year, where yeah, it's right a little, on the little, line. Little something right on the line of what you're supposed to do. And that's where that meetings and the practice comes in mind. You have to do it right so that it's so close that the refs won't call it, but that you use every advantage. The coaches have told me all week, that is our advantage. So we're not going to give you the secret sauce of how we teach them and why, you know, why the intricacies are so important. But these guys are taught specifically when they can start to go forward. And it is on the line, James. It is. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I love it, Cam. I love it. Good stuff, buddy. Good stuff. See, uh, see you on TV on Sunday down there for uh, for Broncos and Dolphins on NFL Network. See you, buddy. Appreciate We're going to bring in somebody 
that was there for the first time we saw this Dolphins offense explode, and that's Bridget Condon who was there for that Chargers-Dolphins game. It's interesting, Bridget. We know what Justin Herbert can do. I saw this stat today that blew my mind. They are the first team, Steve, in the history of the NFL to start 0-2 with more than 50 points scored and zero giveaways. Has never happened in the NFL for a team to do that offensively. Bridget, what is going on on the other side of the ball? Yeah, James, what's the problem? It's the defense. There's so many layers to this. Let's get into it. The Chargers defense is the worst in total defense right now, right? They've given up the most explosive plays of anybody. But let's talk about this. I've covered this team for a couple seasons now. They bring in Brandon Staley, who is said to be this defensive guru. They sign Khalil Mack. They sign JC Jackson. The Chargers are the only team that have allocated more than $100 million of 2023 cap space to their defense. And taking that further, they've allocated the third most cap space this season to their secondary. And that's the big issue, right? They finally seem like the defensive line has started to figure it out. That was an issue last season with all these injuries. They've stopped the run better this season so far than last season, but they have four guys that are rotating in and out of corner positions. Michael Davis, J.C. Jackson, Jasir Taylor, and Asante Samuel Jr. Brandon Saley did say yesterday that Jasir Taylor is now the new starter at star, but you have those three other guys rotating in and out of that corner spot. You can't get confident. You can't get a rhythm down. So I don't really know what what the plan is for Brandon Staley. Uh, I, you guys, how... I wonder if a little bit of of this is about J.C. Jackson, right? You sign this guy to a five-year deal, $82 million. He gets hurt or has ankle surgery at the beginning of last season, plays a couple games, then has that knee injury. Now this whole offseason is, okay, J.C. Jackson's got to get back better and be smarter, be faster. He's not. He's not. And how much are they trying to make that work versus just using Michael Davis and Asante Samuel Jr.? Well, that's an issue. I mean, if you got a player out there who's, who, who can't go and yeah. it, it, he's harming his team and the fact that they're trying to get him out there to justify his signing, you know, that's an issue. I don't know if that's necessarily the case. I mean, it could be the way that they've schemed these teams, but the fact that they've given up six, six pass plays for more than 30 yards, that's second most in the NFL, yeah. um, that's something that they have to fix because now teams are going to start going over the top. Like you said, Bridget, some things up front stopping the run – um, have gotten better, but they're not getting to the quarterback as much either. So the fact that the quarterback is having more time to sit back there and pat the ball goes to show you that the coverage and the rush up front aren't the issue. And so this is another week. They're playing the Minnesota Vikings this week, Bridget. Justin Jefferson is the best wide receiver in the NFL, yeah. arguably other than Tyreek Hill. What can they do to try to keep I- Justin Jefferson from adding to those explosive pass plays? I think it's going to come with stability, and Derwin James was asked about it. I mean, a lot of these guys were asked. I was in the locker room yesterday about rotating in and out, and, of course, they're giving us the answer like, oh, no, I think because, you know, it's a good thing because we have depth and guys get fresh legs. But Michael Davis was more honest Sunday after the game and said, I can't get in a rhythm when I'm coming. You know, you're playing two drives, and then you're out your bench for a little bit, and then you're coming back in. And Derwin James was asked about this yesterday. He kind of gave a smirk and was like, we're we're figuring it out. Uh, So I anticipate that they're going to have more stability and also this week in practice they've kind of been taking the scheme out of it and getting back to the technique because something isn't working something has to change and whether whatever they're doing is too complex for these players to maybe grasp this early on in the season 
they got to make it a little simpler for them, right? Until they can just get back to the basics and try and stop some of these receivers. Because, yeah, it's Justin Jefferson this week, then it's Devontae Adams next week. Then you could potentially be 0 4 going into a bye. Yeah. JP, real Brutal. quick. And it's not just. It's just not Justin Jefferson. It's also Jordan Addison who comes yeah. in as a first-round pick. I'll say yeah. this, Steve, really quickly. When you pressure a guy like Ryan Tannehill on 70% of his third downs and you have pressure and you're still not slowing down Ryan Tannehill, that's an issue in your secondary. That's not good. That is not a good thing. Kind of an interesting theme here. Some teams having to figure out things schematically and some teams, like the Ravens, figuring it out. You know who else has figured it out? The Washington oh. Commanders in a lot of the questions Let's about go. their offense have been answered. After the break, Brian Robinson, the standout running back for the 2-0 Commanders, joins JP and I on the NFL Report. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. So we got it rolling. You guys play to your abilities, and that's what you're capable of. That's the largest road comeback this organization has ever had. Yeah! On the road. So understand, on the road. That's a hell of a job, guys. And it's all on you guys, but there's one guy in here. He's got 100 wins. Whoa! One of only 50 coaches ever, and one of only active coaches. Ron Rivera, man. Hey, thank you all for being part of this. It's really special just knowing that you guys all helped me get to where I am today. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much. We're joined by now one of, the, one of the people Ron Rivera was thanking there, saying thank you, guys. That's Brian Robinson, the star, I'll say star running back for the Washington Commander, Steve, joins the NFL report. I, right now, I'm seeing that room. Brian, what is the plane ride home after the biggest comeback in franchise history? What goes on on the plane ride back to D.C.? Well, you know, uh, guys like me, you know, play so many snaps. I'm, I'm relaxing. I'm trying to, you know, trying to just get my feet me. I'm sore and all type of stuff. But uh, more than anything, the energy is just great. You know, everybody happy, excited, you know, uh, just want to talk about, you know, the game and talk about, you know, how we can, you know, play better, you know, so that, you know, we don't, you know, end up in games where we're trying to scratch and claw and then, you know, the whole second half to get the win. But uh, appreciating the – you know, the hard work that the whole team put in to get the win, but also, you know, trying to already, you know, get a step ahead on you know, what we can do, you know, to just play better as a team overall. Brian, 2-0, the, the city, you know, I, I used to live in D.C. I know that fan base and how much they love that club. The city has sold out another home game. Can you explain to everyone just what the atmosphere is like now with this club that you guys are off to this great start? Well, uh, the atmosphere, you know, just starting off, it's, it's been electric, you know. And, uh, you know, that's something that, you know, us us in the locker room, we, we feed off of that. 
you know, and um, we appreciate, you know, everybody who, you know, st you know, stick behind us as, you know, as we go out and compete every week. And, uh, you know, with that, you know, with that atmosphere, you know, that they bring it to us right now, it's just, it's exciting. You know, it's give us, you know, more reasons to want to play for them and more reasons to, you know, want to bring wins to this, you know, to this organization. Right, let's talk about you personally a little bit because you lead the team. I don't know if you know these stats. You lead the team in scrimmage yards right now. You lead the team in scrimmage touchdowns so far this season. I know you talked a lot about this offseason. You're not just a between-the-tackles power back. You can do a lot more in this offense. We're only two games in, but where where can we see you making an impact that we maybe didn't see your rookie year within this Eric Bieniemy offense? Uh, like I said, you know, uh, we just scratching the surface right now, you know, uh, especially me, you know, um, you know, being able to show, you know, the more I can do, the more opportunities I get. And, um, you know, being to me, he knows, you know, he knows what type of player I am. He knows what I can do. And uh, he's going to continue to give me opportunities to showcase my, my skill set. And um, the more he does that, I continue to show, you know, my abilities, you know, what all I can do, you know, compared to, you know, what people think, you know, that I can do, you know, and, and uh, I'm excited, you know, to continue to uh, put it out on tape and, you know, show that I'm, a, uh, I'm more than just a one-dimensional player. Love to it. that point, you mentioned Eric Bieniemy, right? A former former running back, coach running back. He's been an offensive coordinator, not, but now he's in charge of designing and scheming and, and play calling. What has Eric Bieniemy done to kind of revamp this offense from everything from helping develop Sam Howell to helping enhance the run game? Uh, you know, he, be, he completely came in here and flipped the script. You know, his, uh, his energy is contagious. You know, it's easily something to, you know, you know want to work for it and want to pick up for it. Like, you know, if you're a winner with that type of mindset, it's, it's easy to really, you know, listen to him and, you know, take the tips and keys that he give you, you know, for success. And uh, I appreciate, you know, everything he's, you know, instilled in me since he's, you know, gotten here, you know, on and off the field. And, um, you know, we're just going to continue to make strides in the right direction uh, building this thing up. I want to kind of push that one step further, Brian, because I've heard multiple players on this offense say he's made them already, this quickly, smarter football players. Is there something that stands out early in a conversation maybe you've had with EB where you're just like, oh, oh he knows running backs, and I didn't know this about the position already. This has made me a better back. Well, his, his mindset just so strong, you know, and uh, – he just he he's real big on you know taking advantage of you know the opportunities that you get you know because you know because of the short window in this game and, it, and it's it's mm -hmm. real and I, he he makes sure he give us you know real tips and advice you know to you know the, just the life of you know this game and uh, just making sure that we take advantage of you know every single opportunity that we get and uh, you know I just let that you know kind of stay in the back of my head you know every time I get an opportunity I just want to make the most of it. Brian, you talk about short window in this game. You know, you're running back. You play this position. I, I just got to get your take on Nick Chubb and mm -hmm. what we saw Monday night and that injury. Man, I'm a huge fan of Nick Chubb. Been watching him for years. Uh, Nick Chubb probably one of the very, very few few guys, uh, especially running backs in the league that you no know, tape I watch year round. So uh, tremendous amount of respect for uh, Nick Chubb. You know, hate hated to see him go through that. Uh, but you know, this is running back. You know, running back is a very very scary position. You know, and uh, going you know watching a guy like Nick Chubb go down with something like that's so significant. It's like, you know, you got so much respect for him. You just want to see him on the field. You want to see him be secure. You just want him to have all the opportunities. 
you know, in the world. And um, I don't want to really get into, like, you know, what's fair and unfair for the running back position because, you know, you know it, it's something that everybody is, you know, kind of talking about. But, uh, you know, that's one guy that has a lot of respect for me, and I wish, you know, he can, you know, recover and come back from this, you know, stronger than ever. Well, I know your your organization likes to focus on the run. That makes a running back happy. I think you've rushed for more first downs than any player in football so far. But I want to talk about your quarterback real quick. Take me inside the huddle during this comeback when Sam Howell was making his first road start in the NFL. You guys are down. What was going on in the huddle that stood about your stood out about your young quarterback during this comeback in the second half? Uh, no, what stood out to me the most was, you know, he, he never really got beside himself. He, he knew, you know, um, what he needed to do, you know, personally, you know, to just, you know, to step up for this team. And, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure every guy in that huddle was thinking, you know, what they needed to do personally to, you know, help, you know, bring this team together. And, uh, you know, Sam, his poise is amazing. You know, he never really, you know, just put his mm -hmm. head down. And uh, he just continued to fight, continue to play, um, know what type of guys he have around him, what type of playmakers he have around him. And, uh, you know, we just stay on the same page, you know, through it all. You know, even when I back against the wall, we just make sure we're on the same page. And uh, he's a fighter. And uh, I just, you know, I just love playing with him. Brian, you have the Buffalo Bills coming up this weekend. And a lot of folks will probably say, okay, this is going to be the measuring stick game for Washington so far. Tell us. Tell us, one, if you think that's the case, and two, what type of challenge do they present for a team that thinks, okay, we're really good right now? Well, you know, uh, they're going to be real fast to say it's a measuring stick for us, but, hey, it can be a measuring stick for them, too. You know, it's just another week for I us. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, we, we, know, we know what type of team it is. You know, we know that, you know, they're a great team. You know, and also, this won't be the first time we lined up against a great team. So, you know, we just got to – you know, prepare, prepare to win, you know, prepare like, you know, like champions. And uh, I think once we take the field, you know, we just going to take them like any other opponent that we want to beat. And uh, we, we understand that they are good. They're going to play hard. You know, uh, they got some great players over there. And um, we just got to play at the top of our game. All right, to close this out, Brian, I got a two-parter. You guys have a lot of great players on that defensive line. You've gone against it in practice. We have saw the seven sacks in Denver this past week. Just describe that group from an opposing offensive player's mindset when you see all of them healthy, all of them coming at you. And the second part is, is the Alabama dynasty over? <laughs> well, honestly, man, that, front line, that front line we got right now, uh, they relentless, man. Uh, whole bunch of dogs over there that feed off each other you know they feed one one person get a sack the other one 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 and uh that's that's a strong group that you know easily feed off each other so you know i, I could just if one word like if in one word if i had to describe them i would just say relentless yeah you know, our defense and I, uh i love competing against them guys man i love you know just you know practicing against them and just polishing up my game and just going up against guys of that caliber to just have me prepare for you know every sunday Alabama. I love it. Yeah, yeah. What's? I feel like we making a. Uh, Are you nervous? I'm not nervous at all, man. I I didn't okay, lost good. a game. In, I didn't lost a game in a season and still played in the national championship. You know. Uh, okay. Good point. I think it's. I just think we we struggle in some. You know, in some areas. You know, which is common. Most. You know, all teams struggle. 
you know, at some point, you know, when you have a, a great team for so long and so many great players in and out, in and out, in and out, True. Uh, you should expect, you know, at, at some point, you know, it's going to kind of, you know, hit a hit a fall. Like uh, even my last two years in school, they were saying that we were rebuilding and I still ended up playing in, you know, two back-to-back national championships, one, one, and I lost one. In the middle of it's pretty good rebuild. So, uh, you know, we could easily say, you know, it's a rebuilding team again, but, hey, if they play in a national championship this year, then are we going to continue to say, oh, Bama just rebuilding? You know? <laughs> hey, hey, Brian. Okay. Hey, hold, hold up now. Brian, I'm glad, I'm glad, you, I'm glad you told James that. Because you know where James went to school? Mm-hmm. Ohio State. He's coming for you, right? So yeah. he's barking about that Buckeye <laughs> business, knowing that the Crimson Tide has no. been ruling the roost. I'm, no, that's not the case. I'm just terrified about my program right now. I, I'm, we're not where I want to be either with the Buckeyes. And we got Notre Dame on Saturday. I'm nervous. I think I'm undefeated against the Buckeyes. And I, uh, last time I played, yeah, you are. Was in, last time I played, <laughs> you are in a national championship. And you know, I think yep. I won that national championship that year, huh? <laughs> Let me do the math. There we go, Brian. Yeah, hey, Brian, hey, Brian you did win. Brian did win. <laughs> yep. Perfect. Beautiful way to close this out, Brian. We thank you so much for joining us here at the NFL Report. Good luck this weekend against the Bills, man. Thank y'all. Appreciate y'all. <sighs> Roasting my Buckeyes. That's all right. Coming up on the NFL Report, we're going to talk about another former Buckeye in Justin Fields. Brian Baldinger had a video about him on Twitter that got millions of views. We're going to break that down coming up on the NFL Report. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. The NFL Report giving you the latest in James Palmer. Got some news coming down that Bryce Young, the Carolina Panthers rookie quarterback, might not be playing Sunday as that problematic ankle sneaks up. So it could be Andy Dalton, the veteran and the quarterback sneak specialist, going for the Panthers on Sunday. Also, Cowboys corner Trey Diggs was seen on crutches after practice Thursday. He's scheduled to have an MRI exam. We'll be keeping an eye on his availability for Sunday as well. Yeah, let's hope he's all right. That defense is rolling. And you know whose availability we have now, Steve? We have Brian Baldinger. I think he lives in that room. Baldy, I think you live there, but you live on this show on Thursdays. I know that. You live in this show on Thursdays. You're coming out with these Baldy breakdowns. I watch them all, and I'm not the only person that watched the one on Justin Fields, Baldy. I mean, it's got millions of views already. Steve and I talked at length about Fields in in the start of this show. I, I need your take to take this a step further. I guess my biggest question, Baldy, is when you see this, is it correctable or is it not correctable? It's correctable, James. It's correctable because okay. all you have to do is see the evidence of the opening drive, six plays, 75 yards, touchdown. You know, DJ Moore, mm-hmm. Chase Claypool in the end zone. You know, fourth quarter, eight plays, 90 yards, right down the field. Uh, so it's correctable. But what frustrated me and why I posted the video was – I just didn't understand. Look, that's the very end of the game. Shaq Barrett jumped up in front of the screen. That stuff can happen. Uh, but what, what frustrated me was what is he? What doesn't he see when he's got great protection? Mm-hmm. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers blow the protection. 
and they're basically just scheming to stop him from running, and he should make the throw because he can make the throw. And that's what frustrated me. He took seven sacks the other day. Three of them were on Justin Fields just holding the ball and not really knowing what he was looking at. I believe it's correctable. Um, and I don't think it's just, uh, I'm just going to play my own style. Like, this thing is, this is precision offense. It's got to be precise. You know, the defense dictates where you go with the ball. And not every play that anybody ever calls is the, is a perfect play. Sometimes you got to make the play mm-hmm. right. Sometimes you've got to fix it at the line of scrimmage. I mean, all those things are in the hands of a quarterback. And so I've seen plenty of evidence of Justin reading the field, scanning the field, making the right throw, hitting DJ Moore time after time on Sunday with great throws. We just have to see it more consistently. And we can't see the freezing of the process behind the line of scrimmage like we saw a couple times. Yeah, Baldy, real quick, I mean, just your experience as a player. You know, you've, you've been with a lot, a lot of different quarterbacks. He said that there's sometimes just too much information and sometimes I have to play off my instincts. To go back to your point about instincts, can a quarterback get overloaded trying to process things instead of being instinctual and just getting the ball out from what he sees? Oh, for without a doubt, Steve. Without a doubt. I've seen plenty of okay. quarterbacks that have had too many voices in his ear, too many suggestions, too many uh, coaching points. There's no question it can be an overcoached position. But, I, but you know, I see receivers that look awfully frustrated. You know, when they got their hand in the air like I'm open, yeah. okay, yeah. not always, but sometimes. And then I'm, I'm watching, like, D.J. Moore in the middle of the field give a little clap, like, let's go, let's, let's get me the ball. And so, you know, I think it's, it, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's a collaboration, really, amongst players, the coaches, and, and, and Justin. And it's, it's, it is correctable. It, it just is. And so hmm. uh, if he feels like he needs to kind of free himself up from a lot of people in his ear or the coaching points, all right. But you can't get too far away from design of plays and where the ball should go and what the defense is doing and understanding what the defense is going to dictate where you go with the ball. Baldy, there, there's, Baldy, no there's a progression, right? Philadelphia Eagles. Go ahead, JP. I was just going to say real quick, but there's a progression of angry receivers. First, there's the hand up, then there's yeah. the hand yeah. wave, and then when they yeah. start jumping, that's when you know yeah. there's yeah. massive frustration. Steve, when the, when they start jumping up and down, that's 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 when yeah. they got yeah, to that. the next level. Hey, there was and, some and evidence you know of that this. Sunday. Hey, hey, hey yeah. and Baldy, you know this. No one could show more frustration than good old Joe Horn when he wasn't getting the ball back in the day. <laughs> real quick, so yeah. let's move. Let's we're going to move on where, where there's. Well, there's no frustration, except for by us, because we've got this question mark, Baldy. Why aren't more teams following the Philadelphia Eagles' tush-push on short yardage situations where they surround the quarterback in a cocoon and just push forward? You know, Steve, I posted something last year when the Eagles started perfecting them. And I said, every, not just the NFL, college, high school, like everybody should do this. The rule is legal. We talked about it in the seminar this summer uh, of what how they're officiating the play. Uh, not many people, not many quarterbacks can deadlift 650 pounds like Jalen Hurts does no. that has that kind of power. But I was in Jacksonville last year, last week, Steve, against Kansas City. First and goal at the one. They lost four plays on a silly pitch on the first play. They never got the ball in the end zone. I mean, Trevor Lawrence should be pushed into the end zone. Get some tight ends behind him. Get a running back behind him. And, you know, follow Brandon Sheriff at right guard. 
Luke Fortner at center and put the ball in the end zone and stop fooling around. Like, everybody should be doing this right now. The rules are made for it. Take advantage of the rule. I see too many teams right now across the board, Steve, in short yards and goal line situations trying to outthink. I see teams on fourth and one at the goal line. They're throwing the ball third and one at the goal line. Like, get get on with the tush push. Just take advantage of the rule. So, boy, I want to follow up on that because it was an interesting quote from, from Andy Reid uh, this season already, in this season going, I'm watching all of these short yardage plays, and teams are not very good across the board in third and one and fourth and one in Andy Reid's mind. He said, you know, they're actually one of the teams that has struggled with it as well. We know I was at the game when Patrick Mahomes dislocates his kneecap. That's just not in Andy Reid's playbook right now. But when you have, I bring him up because when you have so many different creative offensive minds across the league, that can do so many different things with their offense. When they see something that, as you're describing, is so clear-cut an advantage, do they just not take advantage of it because of their personnel, or or, or they outthink themselves? They outthink themselves, James. This this is not this is something honestly that you can install on Friday and operate on Sunday. It's just, I mean, it mm-hmm. is just pack it in. You know, the quarterback gets it started. He's, he could give you the signal where he's going straight, right, left, and then you just get behind him and you get to keep the momentum going. Like, it's just almost – I've talked to defense coordinators, James, across the league, mm-hmm. like how difficult this thing is to stop. Like, the only thing you can do is get five guys to submarine below the offensive lineman and get four guys coming over the top. And honestly, it's not really a safe play, diving over the top of these piles to try True. and stop the quarterback. Um, you're just going to get these mid-air collisions that, you know, somebody is probably going to get hurt if you do it often enough. We know players, you know, don't have fear about that stuff. But, you know, from the outside, uh, there's a fear factor flying over the top to try to stop this. But it's a very difficult play to stop. And I just don't understand why if if you're Tennessee with King Henry, like, like just have him push Tannehill from behind. Like, you're going to get in the end zone. You're going to get the first down. Yeah, well, tight end Dallas Goddard of the Eagles said, if you don't want us to do it, don't let us have third and one or fourth and one. Uh, then we won't run the play if you don't, if you don't put us yeah. in that situation. Let's talk about, uh, you know, the, the Browns lose a back that there's probably not even a need for a tush-push on a third and one with Nick Chubb if he's in your backfield. What do you see now moving forward with Jerome Ford kind of running that backfield and they bring in Kareem Hunt uh, behind him, Baldy? You know, Jerome Ford was a fifth-round pick last year from Cincinnati, but he started at Alabama. Like, that's where he started his college career. He transferred mm-hmm. to Cincinnati, went to the finals with him. Like, he's a talented back. You saw him change direction right here and go, you know, basically 70 yards, uh, got stopped right at the six-inch line. You see the speed. But I saw him – the only thing I would say is he, he took a couple of plays where he went backwards to go forwards like on that one. Um, sometimes that doesn't always work. But he catches the ball well out of the backfield like he does here. Just a little, you know, Texas route hooked up over the middle. But he pushes the pile like he does here. He runs with power. I mean, I know they signed Kareem Hunt, but I would say Jerome Ford should certainly get an opportunity to be the starting back right now in Cleveland. You know, that's uh, Kevin Stefanski's M.O. They want to run the ball, play action, pass off it. Like the line up front is really good, especially with Dewan Jones at right tackle right now. They're pretty good up front. So I would expect Jerome Ford to continue to be the starter and Kareem Hunt come in and be that change of base back the way he was with Nick Chubb for a few years. Yeah, I, I believe that, Baldy, because in the AFC North, I mean, with the weather and everything, you've got to have that type of slugger that we saw 
Ford show that he was in that game. Speaking of the AFC North and, I guess, uh, the AFC South, Baldy, you said, and it's a game matchup this weekend, the Ravens and the Colts, that Anthony Richardson has a ton of Lamar in him. And Lamar said the same. Listen to this. You want me to be honest, right? That made me feel old. And I'm only 26. <laughs> like, comparing me, himself, and Cam, it was like, I'm like, dang, comparing yourself to me. And I'm still, you know, young. But, um, you know, I appreciate stuff like that. Uh, and I, I did see him um, a couple times in college. He played phenomenal. And as his first two games, he has too. Baldy, Richardson's looked good in his first two starts. I mean, for a rookie. And you, you've done some great breakdowns of him. What have you seen, especially as it is akin to Lamar Jackson's? Well, you know, he's, he ran for two touchdowns in the first six minutes of the game last week. Um, they were up 14 nothing. I mean, they, like the design of what Shane Steichen is doing is beautiful. It's not what Jalen Hurts has did, but there's an RPO game. I haven't seen him get flustered yet, Steve. Like I see a free hitter. I see a Luaquan coming right at him as a free hitter in the first week against Jacksonville. Man, he hit Josh Downs like he'd been doing it for the last six years. Like nothing looks like it surprises him. And he plays with incredible mm-hmm. poise. I was so – I was disappointed that he only played 18 snaps last week because I loved him in week one. I loved the way he started last week. The concussion's the concussion. Minshew played great. Uh, the Colts are – he's much better at this point than I ever imagined, imagined him to be. Like, he's, he's played really, really well, and I think there's a reason to be really optimistic going forward in Indianapolis with Anthony Richardson. Yeah, Baldy, good stuff right there. As usual, we're going to see you next Thursday. And on Sunday, we might see more defensive trickery as we're seeing the two-point stance become something used not just on the edges, but over the center and other places on the field. James Palmer will have more on that. We're back here at the NFL Report. You go into your shower feeling tired but as soon as you reach for the irish spring your day immediately gets better that crisp fresh unmistakable irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses so when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it irish spring body wash and bar soap fresh green irish shop now at a store near you Welcome back to the NFL Report. James Palmer, Steve Weich with you. And Steve, uh, this isn't what you want to hear during a practice week. We're taping this on a Thursday, and Trayvon Diggs signs a big, almost $100 million contract in the offseason, ends up suffering an ACL injury in practice, confirmed on the MRI by two of our insiders, Ian Rappaport and Tom Pelissero. A massive blow to a Cowboys defense that now appears will probably lean even more heavily on that group up front to give a secondary that's now a little bit thin with one of the best corners in football, uh, a little less time that they're going to have to cover on the back end. Yeah, JP, look, the one thing, the Cowboys do have a lot of depth, right? They have a ton of depth in that secondary, but we know Mm -hmm. Trey Diggs, one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. Uh, But like you said, what they're doing up front helps on that back end. And you've done a little study on some of the things, the trends that the Cowboys are showing that's helping this defense function as the number one defense in the NFL after two weeks. 
Steve, we have these rare athletes up front. I mean, a rare one a while ago when he played in Dallas was DeMarcus Ware. Remember when he was on this show and he told us, I'd have to change my game if I played in today's NFL? Well, we're seeing some of these guys with freak athletic ability like Micah Parsons or Miles Garrett lining up over the center where they have a distinct advantage standing up. You saw Miles Garrett crossing him up like AI, trying to come and decide which side he's going to go to and keep the center guessing. This reminded me of a conversation I had back with Genevion Clowney in 2018 when he lost some of that bend after his microfracture surgery and Romeo Cornell started lining him up almost Steve, with a running start. He was a middle linebacker moving around, finding those gaps in the front, and it makes it so difficult on the interior part of the defensive line. You saw Micah Parsons do it against the Jets, and what did it do? It forced an interception because these guys can get there like that with their athletic ability. It's really, really cool to watch. Yeah, JP, a lot of teams have done that over the years to take advantage of favorable mismatches. We've got a favorable match right here with you and I and this edition of the NFL Report. We'll see you on Monday after week three. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.